Welcome to Rust Mode, a podcast about PlayStation, video games, and anything else we want to talk about. I'm Johnny. And I'm Ricky. Uh, so this is our inaugural podcast. I figured, you know, we both love video games and podcasts, so why not join the two together? Yeah, I mean, I listen to three or four podcasts daily sometimes. All the iGen stuff, the Polygon stuff, um, all that kind. So we thought I'd throw our hat in the ring. For sure. Uh, so, Ricky, what are you playing? So I'm real deep into a couple games right now. I'm really deep into Sun and Moon. I'm playing Pokemon Sun right now on the 3DS, and it's just different enough to kind of, like, reinvigorate my spirit. And, I, I mean, I've played a Pokemon game from every generation. Um, but this one, it just feels slightly different, but has that same great formula. It really has its hooks in me. Right, so what would you say is, like, your favorite part about that game? I love seeing the new Pokemon. You know, I don't. I try to stay as media blackout as I can. I don't want to see any of the evolutions. And then all of a sudden, when I hit that blue screen and it starts evolving, and I'm like, "Ooh, what's this going to look like? What move sets am I going to get?" Um, I get really nerdy about the stats, making sure you know they have the right characteristics. Um, I, I play it almost as though I should be playing competitively, but I don't. I just I just kind of do it for fun. Right. How about you? You into you into Pokemon at all? Um. Yeah, I've been playing a bit of it. I haven't. I, I'm about probably two or three hours in. No, I keep getting on you on that. I know. I I want to battle. I'm I'm enjoying it, but I just I haven't really gotten into it as much. Uh, yeah. I I mean, so like, with Pokemon Sun, what would you say is like your least favorite part? Is there anything that like disappointed you? It's not really disappointment. I guess it's it just feels like there's a lot of exposition. Like. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like the game has cut me loose yet, and I'm 20 hours in what feels like <clears throat> halfway through the gyms or, or the trials as they are now. Um, so I, I wish there was a little bit less cutscenes, a little bit less um, just kind of just talking. And I, I walk five feet after something, and all of a sudden, boom, another cutscene. It's like I just want to go out there and just see the whole environment they have for me. So it's a minor thing. I, I get past it. You know, set your tech speed to fast and that kind of thing. For sure. Um, one of the things that I noticed is, like, with Pokemon games, I, I always either stop for, like, a week and don't know where I am or just never mm. know exactly where to go. Mm. Um, and uh, it's it's honestly, for me, it's kind of nice to have that, like, oh, this is your next checkpoint. The big red flag. Right, exactly. It's, it's just that quality of life stuff that they changed. It's stuff like, um, you know, it when you're in battle, there's the little pop-up menu for quick doing a potion or... When you're in trying a wild Pokemon, there's the quick menu for a Pokeball. Like that kind of little stuff just makes playing the game feel so much better. Right, and I and I can definitely see how you'd want to be like sort of let free from for sure. those red flags and yeah. story stuff. But um, I'm also into the three kind of the big shooters um, this this winter season. Uh, it's Titanfall 2, Battlefield 1, and Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Right, and I'm not the biggest online shooter guy because I, I i played a lot of destiny probably too much destiny uh -huh. um but i got these three it was a, it was a deal at uh, one of the retailers and uh i've been kind of dipping my toes in each multiplayer and seeing what i really like the most and i think like in my opinion to play with friends battlefield one takes the cake right just the way that you know say you die and your squad mate is still playing you can squad spawn on him Okay. So that way you pick up right back where you are. You know, we all have our roles. My buddy's the sniper. I'm the support. My other friend is the assault class. So it's. But if I'm playing solo, it's Titanfall 2 all the way. Right. That multiplayer, it just... That is like the gold standard for how shooters should feel, in my opinion. Everybody always says Call of Duty, but I've actually had a lot of control issues with Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. Like every once in a while, all of a sudden, there's big spikes in latency and... It's not even a frame rate thing. The control just doesn't feel great. So 
and I've never felt up to par in Call of Duty multiplayer. You right. know, it kind of it feels like you move a foot and you die. Mm -hmm. Like right. that's it's so hard. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Have you played any of those? So. Uh, out of those three, I've played Titanfall 2, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, I haven't gotten too far in the story yet, but mm. the multiplayer really, I had a lot of fun in that. It was slick, right? Like, right. Um, jumping around, just going really fast with the grappling hook, I love it. Oh, it's the grappling like, hook. It just feels really nice, and it's mm. not too hard to get a couple kills also. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that slide, when you're doing a sprint into that slide, mm -hmm. that just lasts forever. Oh, it just feels so good. Like For sure. There's nothing like getting a, getting a headshot there with that. And I, re I also want to talk about the progression system. I think... The way that it kind of dangles the carrot in front of you, you're always leveling up. It tells you what gun you're working towards. You have the camos that you're unlocking along the way. I just think it, it's that perfect mix of, yes, I could purchase these camos, but I could also fairly unlock them as I play the game. Right. Um, yeah, I've, uh, again, I haven't... I mean, like I feel like I don't play enough video games, but I, I haven't. Um, it's a good thing we're doing this podcast, right? Exactly. Um, I haven't gotten enough into um, the multiplayer of Titanfall Two to like mm -hmm. really get a ton of new uh, gun upgrades and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but from what I've played, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, if you can string together a good couple hour session, you start really unlocking things at a steady pace, and it just feels great. Right. And even I, that un title screen or that unlock screen where you know you have the nice, the sound engineering and everything, it just ah, oh, it just feels great. Mm -hmm. Those embers look really cool. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So another thing is, like, every game that I've played in multiplayer, I've enjoyed. Like, mm -hmm. there hasn't been one that has been, like, stale. Like, of, of course, there's a couple that were a little harder. Right. Um, I really enjoyed Capture the Flag because mm. run it, the, like, adrenaline was, like, running with that flag. Have you tried Coliseum? No, I have not. So Coliseum is a 1v1 mode. It, you're both on this giant platform, and you each have a grenade launcher, and, you know, you get the 3-2-1 countdown. And it's, like, it's, it is. It's a Western standoff, you know. You're looking the other guy in the eye and like right from the get-go like you have to plan out your move am i going to move right and try and shoot him you got to shoot where he lands because you're constantly jumping and it, yeah, that one-on-one -on -one, like there's nowhere to hide there's nowhere to run it's just you versus the other player it's it's really a cool kind of thing and you kind of win these tickets so it's not like automatic entry like i get to keep going even if i suck right. you kind of have to be good and um kind of beat some players to get more tickets and that kind of thing it's a really really interesting take so, uh, are you good at it? Well, good in a relative sort of sense. I've won a couple matches, but then you you face this person that just right from the jump, he's just got you. The, the worst feeling ever is when you get meleeed. Like, right as you're going in, they do this special slide move, and then they come and they melee you, and it just <laughs> is humiliating. But if you get one on somebody else, it feels really good. For sure. All right. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Mm -hmm. I feel like I gave it a little bit of a bad rap. The zombies mode? Oh my gosh, the zombies mode. Really? It is phenomenal. It's one of the deepest game modes in a game I've seen. Like, it rivals some campaigns. There's so much. And uh, like I said before, I kind of have my squad um, that we play together. And, you know, what you're trying to do is obviously it's a survival, wave-based thing. So you start off with just a regular gun. And um, you're just surviving waves, and as you go, you unlock new parts of the area with cash you get from right. killing more zombies. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just the depth of gameplay. Like, there's ways to upgrade your guns, and there's special portals that you unlock, and there's um, different kinds of perks that you have to get. Uh, like, for instance, there's one called... Um, uh, I forget what it's called in this game. It was called Jug in the last game. But essentially, it makes you beefier. So getting hit by the zombies... If you don't have Jug in the later rounds, you could be a one or two shot and you're dead. Right, okay. 
So you get the jug and you're beefier. Or there's one called Mule Kick, where you're able to hold three guns instead of just oh, two. Nice. Okay. So that you know has its advantages later. And uh, obviously, if for anyone who's familiar with zombies, the pack a punch is right. where it's at. Of course, you pack a punch the gun. It costs five thousand, which is kind of a lot. But in the later rounds, you, you need it. Otherwise, you're of doing course. no damage. Mm-hmm. And just I mean, there's this uh, that thing they call the Easter egg, and it's this series of steps you have to go through in order to unlock all this stuff and you talk to this guy and then you release these things and set these traps and oh it's so just in depth i spent hours on it it's great gotta get that uh, red laser bullets the red laser bullets um, yeah. yeah okay so um first of all how many players is the is the zombies mode it's four player oh, uh, nice. so you can do local you can even do split screen with two i think okay. and then local and then there's also um like public matches Sweet. you get matched up with random people that's awesome. But you really, in the later rounds, you really need that communication. Okay, so with these three shooters, how would you rank them if you had to? It's it's hard because there are so many aspects of all of them that I really, really love. But there's just those few things that I hate. Um, so it's really, really close. Mm-hmm. But I have to go Titanfall 2, mm-hmm. Battlefield, and then Call of Duty. But like I said, it's by the slimmest of margins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I heard I heard Battlefield 1 is the, the harder one, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard um, in that it's just patient. It's a patient game. You know, most first-person shooters, you're just running around, running and gunning, spray and play. Um, but Battlefield, it really is all about strategy, especially when you're playing Conquest, which is my favorite mode, mm-hmm. which is a mode where you capture um, control points. Okay. Um, and, I mean, the maps are huge. You know, you have to be careful of snipers. And this is, you know, the game notorious for being very realistic, right? It, like, accounts for bullet drop. So when you're a sniper the bullet doesn't just go in a straight line. At a certain distance, the bullet starts to drop, which is true in real life. So the people that snipe in this game get really good at it, which is why it's known as being a little bit harder. But when you have those people that you can communicate with and you have um, just uh, a little bit of strategy, a little bit of tactics, um, it's better. In my opinion, Call of Duty is way harder. Right. I I don't understand the reflexes of some of these kids. You come around the corner and done, you're popped. If you don't land the first shot, it's over. Right, and... uh, so that that's funny because I remember when I got uh, a free month of gold membership on Xbox Live, um, I got into the Black Ops multiplayer. Oh yeah, and uh, that's when I broke my first controller. I got so mad, <laughs> and I was sitting. I like, remember. Yeah. I was sitting close to the ground, and I just slammed it. Slammed, I got yeah. so pissed, and the battery broke off. Um, I mean, I, honestly, like year after year, iteration after iteration, it starts to get even worse. The the mobility just keeps going up and up. You know, back in the day, boots on the ground, Modern Warfare. Right that game was manageable. Like, yes, it was very difficult, but it was more than just how fast can you twitch the the right trigger. Right. So do, do you find that, like, you're dying as much in Battlefield 1 as Call of Duty? Um, Honestly, no. I really don't think so. You, it's just it's more of a thinking man's game, which mm-hmm. is my uh, my expertise. Not that Call of Duty, you know, is, isn't thinking, but I, I there's just the, the breadth of the maps and, mm-hmm. like, the, like how involved you are in capturing these points and that kind of thing. I, I just think Battlefield has a level of um, tactical just uh, know-how you need to have. And so when you have that, it just it works really well. Right. Okay. So finally, there's a game I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, and that is Final Fantasy XV. Oh, this game is so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I can't even tell you. I... Was skeptical. I'm I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy fan. I started with Final Fantasy X mm-hmm. on the PS2, and I remember when I played that game, I had no idea 
like how progression worked. I, you know, that was one of my first games and um, I was playing it and my friend came over and he's like, okay, uh, let me see your sphere grid. And the sphere grid is just how you level up in the game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's a sphere grid? <laughs> and I had made it halfway through the game without making any improvements, without doing oh, anything. And okay. he was like, how did you even do this? Like, and I yeah. remember I'm stuck on this boss and I can't beat him. It's because I haven't upgraded my HP or any of that. Oh, so, okay. and since then I've, you know, played many other RPGs, Skyrim, um, The Witcher, all those kind of things that they teach you the deep systems. But yeah, Final Fantasy has really got its hooks in me. Mm-hmm. I um, I think I'm about three or four hours in. I've had I've had a ton of fun, honestly. Like um, at first, I was like, man, this combat—you just like press a circle or you press mm. square um, to block. But honestly, I've had a I've had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, sort of getting into it a little bit more. Uh, actually, this weekend. Uh, it's starting to get a lot harder and it's starting yeah, to be more involved. And, definitely. Uh, it's like about reflexes and stuff and I'm really enjoying it. I think the game does a really good job of not just throwing you into the uh, the action. It kind of teaches you because there is there's a lot of complexity. It's very deep systems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a Japanese game at heart and JRPGs are known for their really deep maps and their deep systems. So the way that it kind of the first battles do seem a little easy but it's teaching you along the way to do combos and try and get blindside damage and everything. Right. Um, I'm about, oh gosh, like maybe 20 hours in uh-huh. and I'm on chapter six. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's still, it really has me. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, uproar lately about the uh, the uh, patch they're going to do. Have you heard about this? No, I have not. It's a patch that's supposed to kind of quote unquote fix their final chapter of the game, which people have said narratively isn't as strong um so you know people are having an issue with oh like they released a broken game or whatever but i mean (laughs) i don't know man i am really loving this game Mm -hmm. yeah i uh the the quests are fun uh driving around is fun yeah i'm having a ton of fun in final fantasy 15 and i guess that uh leads into our topic game of the week so this week we're going to be talking all about final fantasy so first of all, let's get into the gameplay. Right, so we have a couple criteria here. We're going to run through gameplay, story, performance, the character development, and notable moments. Okay, um, so I want to start off talking about gameplay. Uh, again, it was seemed really simple at first, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, all right, this is okay. It's mm-hmm. like kind of boring, honestly, compared to like Destiny or other shooters. Right. Play, it's like much less involved, but... Um, Going further into it, there's a lot of strategy, and especially with like the the team moves. Some of those you have to have really really quick reaction times to get that uh, to get that hit in. And, uh, right, it's it's a lot of fun. So for a little history, um, Final Fantasy games traditionally are classic Japanese role playing games or JRPGs. Their battle systems are normally uh, turn based, right? So you make a move, you put your input in, it does it to the other uh, to the enemy, and then they make their move. This is actually one of the first, if not the first, to to kind of turn that on its head and um it's an active so it's like more like a witcher or skyrim where you're actively in combat instead of these kind of uh, turn-based system so the main system is you're holding down well on for us playstation you're holding down circle button and that's just doing your attack and actually the way you direct your movement stick the left stick well actually he'll do different moves so if i'm pushing forward and holding the combat button he'll do a different attack than if i were pulling back and um, from there, you have all sorts of things like Noctis has his famous, uh, the warp strike, mm-hmm. which he's able to throw his weapon and warp to it. And that has, um, the further away, the higher away you are, 
from the enemy that has damage multipliers on it. And that is a ton of fun to do. Oh, it feels so good. Mm -hmm. When you, you, you're you able to point warp out of the battle scenario for a sec, catch your breath, gain some health back, and then you can warp strike right back in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can get two and a half, three times the damage, um, which is really awesome. Like Freaking Batman. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like that. Um, and from there, you're trying to, the game trying to, tries to get you to do what they call blindside damage or damage from behind. And most of the time, that's about uh, one and a half times damage if you mm -hmm. get a blindside. Okay. Um, and then if you're close enough to your uh, um, party mates, they can sometimes join in what's called a link strike. Mm -hmm. So you initiate the blindside damage and they do a link strike with you. And again, that's like a kind of scripted, um, cinema, real quick cinema graphic. Mm -hmm. And it does a cool, cool attack. Yeah, those are super satisfying, especially when you get like the hit and the parry just oh, yeah. dead on. It's yeah, it's great. Um, and from there, I mean, the you have the normal gameplay of you're going, you're talking at each rest stop, which you're you're on kind of a road trip. So you go and you park. There's a diner. You talk to the guy in the diner, and he he'll give you quests and uh, like hunting quests. There's side quests, um, and then there's obviously the main story beats, mm -hmm. which I get so caught up in doing the hunts. You mm -hmm. know, you go to them, and they have four or five different hunts, each with a different level. And um, basically, you accept the hunt from them, you go to the specified area, and you just take out these monsters. Right. I mean, it's it's awesome. And honestly, I think it's okay to, like, you know, not do the whole story, oh, just yeah. go and go. Um, especially, like, when I was playing Metal Gear Solid Five, mm. um, the side ops is, were, were great because, again, you maybe don't have time for a full mission or a full cinematic story. Sure. Um, and I really, really like the whole open, like, do what you want. Right. Um, and I think it's totally cool to just go on side missions for a while. Definitely. And it, it, it's not only like a nice distraction, but it's also pretty necessary. You get to some of these story battles, and if you're not at the right level, you are going to get crushed, yeah. especially when you're in some of these dungeons. Um, uh, yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the story. What do you? I know you're kind of earlier on. Mm -hmm. um, what, do you, what do you think so far? Right, so I feel like... I feel like some people were complaining that the story was lacking. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm not I'm not super far into the game. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, so far I've enjoyed the story. I've liked what it's presented. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's uh, immediately you get this bond between the characters. They kind of argue a little bit. They've right. got some, they joke around sometimes. Right. Um, like congratulate each other. I, I think that the, the like whole grouping is really nice. And to put them in that situation, I think, works pretty well. Right. I think they did a smart thing. Um, you know, there's there's the Kingsglaive movie, and then there's uh, five short anime. Mm -hmm. And, they, I mean, they do a really great job of fleshing out the world. But in my opinion, it's not totally necessary to watch them. Like, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. If you don't see them, it, you're not at a detriment. Um, I think it's at, at its heart, it's a really simple story. You are the prince. Obviously, your father's the king. And there are two warring empires, your father's and another. And um, not to be spoilery, I mean, this happens really early in the game, but those two are at war, and uh, it just kind of goes from there. And it's a very simple tale, um, and I, I don't I don't think it's this super complicated narrative. Like, yes, there are lore things that you're going to miss if you maybe don't watch the other, um, the supplemental media, but uh, personally, I think it's way worth it. I mean, that Kingsglaive movie is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, I, I mean, I feel like maybe I haven't played a lot of open world games, but I feel like it's kind of hard to integrate a story there. Um, like Metal Gear Solid Five, again, I, I didn't finish it, but I got maybe twenty hours in, and I didn't feel like there was all that much story. But yeah. it's like it's missions, like 
I don't know. It just seems kind of a tough thing to integrate. You make your own story in most of these kind of games, which um, I want to jump down to real quick to character development. Um, I think this is where the real story is. Because in most of these uh, open world role-playing games, you are making a story about your character, right? So in Skyrim, you name your character, you design what he looks like, you pick his armor, that kind of thing. But in this game, you're a set character. You are Noctis. Mm -hmm. And you have your party mates, and they'll be with you the whole game. And you don't even have the option to customize or whatever. I think that could backfire in a lot of ways. Like, it could... If the characters aren't solid, you're not going to want to play this whole game. Right. But I think this point is really where the game breaks away from others. I think right from the get-go, from that first shot, you're seeing you and your buddies, your car is broken down, you have to push it down the road. Right, that was fun. You're whining at each other, and there's bad puns and, like, stupid girl talk and that kind of thing. But it's like, what a couple of buddies would do on a road trip mm -hmm. i think um all the characters are likable enough you know noctis can be a little moody sometimes <laughs> right but you guys you have guys like prompto who's kind of the people uh, like the michelangelo and teenage Mutant ninja turtles he's kind of the joker right. um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know the, to me the characters feel so real and as you're driving along doing these road trips or going to your quests they'll jump in with little quips here and there and you really get to know aspects of their personality right it's a great boy band it, people said that first seeing them, boy band, yeah. It is kind of funny to see them in their, like, fully clad in this black leather, and then you right. see the townsfolk wearing normal stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It, to me, like, some, at some point you got to suspend your disbelief. Oh, you yeah, know? totally. They're, it's the Royal King's Guard or whatever. That's mm -hmm. their garb. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? What do you, I don't know. What do you think about the characters? Um, again, yeah, I've, uh, like, there's nothing that felt weird, like... The dialogue really didn't seem cheesy or stupid. No, um, not at all. But except for, like, you know, prompt those bad jokes, which I enjoyed. You right. Know? Like, if they're groaning, I am too. I don't know. Charm. Yeah, it seems, uh, it seems like they've got a good bond, and uh, it's, like, really fun to see. For sure. Um, let's let's move on to performance. Like, how do the game? How does the game perform? Have you noticed any frame rate glitches or? Um, you know, not really. Like, my frame rate has been solid. Mm -hmm. um, again, like. The only complaint I have, which is a minor complaint, it would be like load times sometimes. Mm. Um, it just says loading for a while, and it'll give you that little progress bar, but it's kind of hard to see where it, the, the finished end is. Sure. And also sometimes it, when it's loading, it doesn't tell you how right. far it is. Um, so you don't actually have to use these load times. They're, they're fast travels and that kind of thing. You can warp back to your car if you're far away from it, which, yeah, I, I would say the load times are kind of bad. Mm. Um, other than that, I think... Uh, the one thing I've really noticed is sometimes the camera is just awful. Like yeah. sometimes when you're in tight spaces or like in these forests, you're you're holding your attack button and all you see is a tree right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Like it can be like you're in a cave or something and like it, so, this camera just, you can tell that it was developed for 10 years. You know, right. like it mm -hmm. almost feels like that's one of the places where this game really did suffer. Um mm -hmm. Beyond that, I'm trying to think of bugs. I, I really didn't have too much, honestly. Mm -hmm. How how would you say the camera compares to like the other Final Fantasies that you've played? Because I'm a first timer, um, and I enjoyed it, but it's a bit of a different story. I think this that's part of it. This is their first foray into active combat, so they're still working out the kinks. Um, because I mean, you know, Pokemon, you you see your two um, characters static on the screen, the enemy and you. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not seeing you're not moving them yourself you're just picking what they do and that's very similar to what final fantasy used to be like right um very iconic you know people know that battle system so well and to move into an active battle system 
is uh, it's tough to get nail that camera down. It's hard in any game, especially sure. when you're working with they they work with scale a lot. So you have these massive creatures, and you know sometimes that camera zooms out and that kind of thing. But um, I think I think overall it is annoying sometimes. It does get in the way, but I don't think it's too distracting from from the game. Right, it doesn't take away from the overall experience for sure. Uh, what about some notable moments that you've had? Non-spoilery, just kind of things that happened in the world. Right, so when all four of the boys died, that was really a nice moment. Um, uh, sorry about spoilers. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they do die if you're bad. I guess so. I mean, they everyone could all dies. Die, but know? that's game over, and right. you start back over. For sure. Um, okay, notable moments. Um, I, uh, I just... I. I can't think what one time. <laughs> okay, so notable moments. I had um, this one time we were all running to go. We we're on a quest from some diner boy. I don't know. I don't understand. He's like, "Hey, here's some food. Also, go kill these bad monsters in the in the desert for me, please." Um, it's a game mechanic. <laughs> yeah, it's video game for sure. So, so we're running out there, and uh, again, I don't know. I just I really really like the comp- the the battle system. And yeah, for sure. I'm just like. Uh, prompto, and then the the gunshot, and like well, then I slash, and yeah. I don't know. I, I had to just have a lot of fun with the battles mainly. Yeah, I think one of my favorite moments was um, spoilers, but I mean you see this in the trailer. You get mm-hmm. to ride a chocobo eventually, which are basically giant chickens. They're mm-hmm. awesome. They're really, and that's can, why I'm playing the game. It. I mean, I could play it just for that. I mean, you can change their color, you can change their name, give them little accents and that kind of thing. But so I'm. Uh, I'm in this mission, and we have to go kind of a long distance, and you have a new party member, and she says something about, oh, I saw somebody was riding on a chocobo. Isn't that crazy? And then right then, it prompts you to call your chocobo. Uh, like, oh, yeah, we do this all the time. Yeah. So I don't know. I just It was a cool little kind of character thing. Like, um, I don't know. I just really like the chocobos. They're adorable. For sure. I want one. Yeah. That would be, be nice. Um, so... We've talked about Final Fantasy XV. I think the overall consensus is that it's a great game. Uh, there's some drawbacks, but ultimately I don't think it takes away too much from the experience. And uh, go play it, if only for the Chocobo. Play it now. For sure. All right, so now it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show, even though it's our inaugural podcast. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> this is called uh, Last Minute Game Report. Here we so go. I give Ricky a title of a game he hasn't played, show him the cover, and he has to give a review of the game. This should be interesting. So, uh, I've picked a uh, PlayStation Classic. Oh, gosh. It's going to embarrass him, you know. It's, uh, it's called Incredible Crisis. Okay. And it's uh, for one of the PlayStation consoles. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, good good research. <laughs> okay, so. This is a good podcast. Um, all right, so we're going to give you two minutes. Sure, let's do two minutes. We'll do two minutes. Um to uh to review this game so i'm going to show you the cover and right, let me let me get a look at this so there is the cover for incredible oh, crisis okay all right so what i'm seeing is a yellow background and there's it looks like a man who has steam coming out of his head so incredible crisis obviously you have hot sauce man right, right? he had a lot of hot sauce it's very hot this is his crisis okay he's in a large crisis right now. i mean he's got steam coming out of his head his head turned into a volcano that's a crisis if i've ever heard one Gameplay, it plays. It's a it's a twin stick shooter uh-huh. where you're actually using the steam that's shooting out of your head to hurt enemies. Okay, right, and you can upgrade. You can keep getting larger clouds of steam, right. and they start to have like different area of effects. Like you can do a poison move and that kind of thing. So, so I've never played this game. Um, <laughs> what's the, what is a what is your crisis man's goal? 
his goal is to uh, quench his the heat, right? Quench All he wants is a glass of milk. Okay. And he can't find it. <laughs> okay, so his search for milk. Search for milk. Right. And that's Incredible Crisis for the PlayStation. I think it's the original PlayStation. Wow. Looks like a great game. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I, I was that, you, I was that you, close? I thought you played it. Was I, was I close or do you think I was far off on that? I I think I think you did a wonderful job. I just like, <laughs> could you go into a little bit more of the story? I, I just don't really. Well, so he, I'm not getting the whole thing. Right. So he's not Mexican. Okay. He does not handle hot foods very well. And don't he see how ate, that should be. Okay. He ate this hot sauce. Okay. And he just can't handle it. So it's about his whole... Uh, he forsakes his wife. He forsakes his children to just get some relief from this never-ending heat. Okay. <laughs> it's actually a really tragic tale. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we won't spoil the ending, obviously. No, um, we won't. Before we compare it to the actual game, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Wikipedia article, uh, what would you say, What out of 10 stars, what would you give the rating? I mean, I think it got a nine and a half. I think it was a really gripping tale. Um, I think it really captured the hearts of people. It was kind of just a revolutionary game for the PlayStation. Gotta get that milk. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> That's actually the tagline. Right. Uh, so, okay, so... Incredible Crisis follows the four members of a working-class Japanese family on their bizarre <laughs> adventures home from their daily routines to get birthday presents for the family's grandmother. <laughs> the game consists of several action-oriented minigames strung together and bookended with pre-rendered cutscenes. Mm. The game was uh, designed and scripted by my favorite, uh, Kenichi Nishi, okay. and features music from the Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. Oh, so I wasn't that far off. Essentially the same thing. It got an 80% on GameFAQs and 4.8 out of 5 on Cool. I was Com. not that far off. Yeah, I'd say... Uh, it was released a little bit, like a couple months, a month before, I, after I was born. <laughs> and I would say it really just fires on all cylinders. Yeah. Fire being a key aspect of the game. Yes. Yeah. Got to get that milk. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, that was fun. Now yeah, it's time fun. to move into the segment called Take Four. Uh, this is where we cram all the TV, movies, and other stuff we want to talk about into the podcast. Sure. Let's do it. Um, so to start off, I want to talk about Doctor Strange. Awesome movie. As we know, it's part of Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's part of Phase 3. And I thought it was awesome. I, I saw it. you got to see it in IMAX 3D. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Um, I don't know. What did you think? Uh, it was stupid. No. Um, <laughs> I saw it in um, just a bigger theater. I think it was IMAX. Did you see it in IMAX? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, th- yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. Not, not 3D. Didn't mind. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um. One of the things that I wasn't expecting was how like tight it was. Um, mm. I thought the script was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, it flowed very nicely. It didn't feel too long. It was, it was like the for me, it was like the perfect length for sure. Um, so one of the things about Doctor Strange is that it was actually it was it was really funny. Um, which I actually didn't expect. At some points, it was a little bit too much. I was like, okay, like you think move on with it. Yeah. yeah. A, a couple of the jokes felt a little too much, but yeah. other than that, I. Love this movie. Yeah, directed by uh, Scott Derrickson, um, produced obviously by Kevin Feige, um, mm-hmm. the mastermind over there at Marvel. Uh, yeah, I think they did a great job with the script. This, it was an easy movie to kind of screw up. Mm-hmm. It's got the mystical element. Um, it would be really easy to mess this up. But this, I thought it was a great way to to kind of introduce the idea of magic. And I think this, at some point, could key in Guardians of the Galaxy into the rest of the universe. For sure. I, I, I could. You, there's a definite Guardians vibe. Um, yeah, for sure. But I, obviously, to me, the thing that sold it was the visuals. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. When they're doing this magic and, like, the time turning and they have all these, you know, I don't even... It was almost Inception-esque. But mm-hmm. I, to me, they took it to another level. 
I, I don't know. I thought they it was took awesome. it to the mirror dimension. Yeah, yeah, incredible VFX. <laughs> like always with Marvel, it's it's yeah. always perfect. It's really um, great. Really, and obviously there. Benedict Cumberbatch, one of the greatest actors of our generation. Good old right? Combi Boy is my favorite. He's he's great. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Westworld. Okay, how much have oh, Westworld have you seen? <laughs> I've seen the first episode. Uh, okay, we're not some gonna, milk, saw some gunshots. We're not going to go into spoilers. Okay. Um, but oh my gosh, watch the rest of Westworld. Okay, it is unbelievable. I I was saying this to to a friend earlier. I don't. I'm not sure it's my favorite ever first season of a television show, but in my opinion, I think it's the best, like the most well done first season of a television show ever. Wow. The production quality is amazing. I know they had something like $100 million for their budget. Oh my gosh. Um, directed by uh, Jonathan Nolan. Okay. And, uh, is he related Lisa, to Christopher? Yeah, he is. Oh, okay. Lisa, Lisa Joy, I think. Joy, something Joy. Um, but the, lady. the things they did with this are just, oh, it's just incredible. It feels like a long form movie. It really mm-hmm. does. And right. I mean, the agony of, it's HBO, so it's not like Netflix where they release the whole season. The agony of waiting for each episode is just brutal. And so uh, how far are they along in the first season? It's over, actually. Yeah, it just finished. Uh, Ten episodes, um, a little bit more than ten hours. It's definitely worth your time. Definitely. For sure. Um, So what was your favorite aspect about it? Uh, It's hard to say. I mean, the cast is ridiculous. You have James Marsden. You have, Mm -hmm. obviously, Anthony Hopkins. You have Ed Harris. You have uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Mm -hmm. these Jeffrey Wright. I mean, these this cast is like a list, a list. It's For like, sure. I mean, every scene Anthony Hopkins is in is haunting. <laughs> you you're guessing at his motivations. You don't know where he is. Is he the bad guy? Is he the good guy? Is he the savior? Is like, he the is he the the guy with the black hat and the milk? That's Ed Harris. Okay, that's Ed Harris. Gotcha. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. It makes me very sad that you don't know who he is. <laughs> He's the older Wasn't guy. He... He's Robert Ford. Okay, All right. yeah. So, um. Cool. I'll watch Westworld. Yes, please, please. I need to talk to somebody <laughs> okay, about it. I, I will finish it. I'm um, dying. The next thing I really want to talk about is Mr. Robot. Oh, now, oh, oh my gosh, Mr. Robot. This is one of my favorite shows on television right now. Watch the Westworld and then we'll it's, talk. Okay. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Um, from the freaking script to the execution to the cinematography, mm. the editing, um, the acting. Rami Malek is fantastic. Yeah, it's, he's great. He's really great. It's, it's, uh, it's a really, really solid show, um, and it's nice because um, there's the thing about like in first-person novels, the narrator is not always reliable, right? Sure. Um, because he can hide things from the audience or, or uh, skew details, mm-hmm. and that is something that really plays into Mister Robot because you don't exactly know if he's telling the truth or if he's hiding something. Sure. And a lot of times, it's a little lost. You're like, wait, is this actually happening? Is this a dream? Right. Um, I have been obsessed with this show. Right. I mean, obviously, non-spoilery any of this. That's pretty obvious from any of the trailers or anything like that. But um, I think it does. Like, it's like a really, um, I don't know. It's like a technophilia's dream. There's, a, I just <laughs> the hacking and mm-hmm. uh, the just the the culture of it all. It's like it's really interesting. It tackles some interesting social political um, issues, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's great. Mm-hmm. It's it's managed to sort of have a big scale, but also it's small in a right. like it's talking it about a smaller like, story it's, it's about big corporations and uh corporate america and hacking and trying to take that down but also it's just like one dude mm-hmm. who's addicted to or like who does morphine right, it's just yeah. trying to social anxiety and all that yeah i think the one thing these two shows westworld and mr robot have in common is the editing like masterful editing mm-hmm. But yeah, let's. Uh, what? Do, okay, so now we want to talk about the White Rabbit Project. Oh my gosh! Okay, so 
This is your dream come true. This is my dream come true. So when the Mythbusters got rid of the build team, Cary Grant and Tori, I cried for about four weeks uh, in my room. I think he actually did cry. Four weeks. I think he actually did. There were tears. Um, And to see that, okay, so I think Cary uh, and Tori actually did a couple of projects. I think it was on like the Science Channel or something. I don't know. They I, buried them. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really watch them, to be honest. Um, final season of MythBusters was great, by the way. Um, yeah, so good. And so, to see them all come back together, the build team, White Rabbit Project, is just it's it's really nice because they've they've got a really good dynamic. They're mm-hmm. they're actual friends. Um, yeah, for sure, that helps. And honestly. just to kind of I don't know, just to see them in their element, doing cool like sciencey stuff, teaching yeah. the audience is just it's it's my favorite. It's great. I think they're still working out the format of the show. There's some some things where, like, there are little inconsistencies here and right. there. I'd like them to have a little bit tighter of a kind of just idea of how the show goes moment to moment. But that's really my only criticism. I think it's it's up to the level with Mythbusters where you have the cool builds. They're kind of tackling cool stories and, um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. It seems like it the it's almost like the tone's a little bit, like not fully realized yeah they're i i they're getting there i think i mean we're only what two episodes in two episodes in right so it's gonna keep getting better as the season but definitely a great start to like their next project for sure yeah i want to talk about one more thing i want to talk about rice boy rice boy is this little graphic novel from uh an artist his name's evan dom i support him on patreon please do that he's phenomenal he's currently working on uh a graphic novel for Moby Dick, which mm. looks incredible. Like it's these really heavy, weighty pencil drawings. Like big he's awesome. Yeah, big whales, big white whale in specific. Okay, but uh, yeah, Rice Boy. It's uh, it's really quirky. It's really weird. Mm. Um, it's I just uh, the colors he uses, the the creatures he designs. Like it's really really fantastic. It's a it's a pretty light read. Um, I read it in two sittings, and then I recently reread it again, and it just reminded me how amazing it is. I printed out a bigger version of the cover just so I can one day frame it and put it on my wall. It's yeah. so awesome. So is this is this similar to just like looking at it? I haven't read it. Sure. Uh, is it similar to Bone? Um it's I I can see how you'd see that. It's kind of got that rich graphic novel color palette and mm-hmm. like really interesting characters. Uh I mean obviously it's realized the medium allows you to really draw and do anything. But uh I personally I like it better. It's only one book. Okay. He has a series of uh one book kind of and within each has like six or seven little stories okay um but yeah oh it's so good rice boy evan dom rice boy evan dom um so finally i want to talk about some games that we're excited for yes. in the upcoming quarter season year whatever we have two on the docket we have horizon zero dawn and which, death, and sorry, and uh, and death stranding. Yeah, death stranding. Which uh, Horizon? I mean, we've seen at this point. I'm starting to see too much of Horizon. I think they need to just keep it away from games press shows. Mm-hmm. Keep it out of the news. Let's just wait till it comes out. Right. Like um, the, their latest trailer that previewed at PSX PlayStation Experience. Um, it showed maybe a little too much. Okay. I'm getting like I, I kind of want to go media blackout on this one. So are you getting are you getting like too much story from it? I I you know. The, the, it probably won't be. I mean, they know what they're doing. Obviously, Guerrilla Games, they, they did Killzone. They did all those games. Um, they're kind of moving into this new territory. Um, but, yeah, I just I want it to come out. I want to play. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, this game looks really cool. Future dinos, Future riding, dinos. riding them, shooting them. 
Getting Netting them down to the ground. I, I do. I really like that it's a female protagonist. You see, you're seeing this comeback of really strong female characters in video games, which historically is a kind of boys' club, um, <laughs> almost. You know, right. so it's really, really cool to see this strong. Her name's Eloy. She, uh, yeah, she's this huntress and she's searching for the truth. And yeah, it's a really cool character. Awesome. Yeah, I. I it kind of reminds me of. Um, I played Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, that game was really fun and. Very again, a strong female protagonist without sexualizing her or anything like yeah, that. Definitely. Just a good, good story. It's good there. to see that in video games for sure. So next is uh, Kojima's Black Death Baby. What is this game? I don't and that's know. what makes it so exciting. It's yeah. so strange. I mean, people are doing these crazy things where there's two trailers now. One of them previewed back at E3, mm-hmm. uh, the big reveal. You had Kojima walking down the light upstairs and all this crazy stuff. He shows his first kind of tone piece. And then he showed another trailer at PSX, and uh, it's it's bizarre. It's now starring Nor- starring Norman Reedus. Yep. You have Guillermo naked, del Toro, naked Norman, Reedus. naked Norman Reedus, with no belly button. No belly button. You have Guillermo Guillermo del Toro. Uh, you have um, Mads Mikkelsen. Which oh my gosh, Mads Mikkelsen is a phenomenal. And the, the, it's Black. it's crazy. These people are like personal friends of Kojima. It almost feels like people are rallying around him and. To me, I, I think it's going to have some allegories and some kind of like um, similes to the way that Kojima treated him. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of think this is to- him totally off the leash, which in one sense is a little scary. Wait, you mean the way Konami? Treated- Konami, excuse okay. me. Yeah, Konami treated Kojima. Right. Um, but yeah, you see, you know, the tank with the, you know, all the animal parts or whatever falling off of it. Yeah. And the dead crabs and mm-hmm. it's this kind of like weird eclectic mix of actors like i don't know it's uh, yeah um and this is kind of cool because wasn't uh kojima and guillermo del toro supposed to make a horror game a while back so they made pt which is famous okay. like it's this short little demo with norman reedus mm-hmm. again and uh yeah it was supposed to be for silent hills gotcha. and everybody loved it universally not a bad thing you could say about this little kind of demo and you know it's infamously konami shut the project down um, they shut down Kojima from doing this, and um, they took uh, the PT off of the PSN, oh. so you can no longer download it. People sell, like in the aftermarket, people will sell PS4s with PT on it oh, okay. for like elevated prices. Right, it's yeah. like that legendary. Freaking Flappy Bird. <laughs> iPhones were going for... Uh, it's it's yeah. much better than that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so this game seems so weird. Um, but again, it's got everyone like, what is this? Like, exactly. if anything, it's only made people more interested, which is really, I mean, what they need great. to do is shut up about it. Yeah, Go away. Make the game. Make the game. Right. They make just the picked their engine. You know that they've been working on only rendering these two trailers. It's the, I mean, the huge difference in these games. They're both big kind of, um, third party or Horizon's third party or Horizon's a first party studio, right? I think so. Yeah, they are. And, uh. Obviously, Kojima Productions is a kind of a third party, but um, Horizon's slated to come out, I think March. Yeah. So early next year, Death Stranding will be lucky to see in 2019. Maybe this game is far out. Yeah. Right. So they need to stop showing trailers, get Kojima off the stage if you can, and <laughs> yeah. just let them let it incubate. And uh, we don't want another uh, Last Guardian or Final Fantasy 15. Right. Audience. Yeah. Okay. So Horizon is developed or is developed by Guerrilla, published by Sony Interactive. Okay, so, so it is first, first party. Yeah. Um, so one of the things about the two Death Stranding trailers is they isn't it like when um, Norman Reedus's naked black baby melts away, yeah, yeah. and then the light light up baby in Guillermo del Toro's tube 
which if you don't know anything about either of these games or anything about <laughs> video games, sounds insane. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so, no so yeah, let's, let's, let's have Horizon come out and let's have Death Stranding go away for a while. Yes, exactly. Um, all right, so that about does it for us today. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. I hope this wasn't a waste of your time. Um, so I'm Johnny, uh, and my Twitter handle is at John E. Bosworth, so J-O-H-N-E-B-O-S-W-O-R-T-H. Uh, I'm Ricky, and that's uh, Ricky Rackham on Twitter, spelled like it sounds. Uh, yeah, let us, if you guys are listening, let us know, uh, tweet us, and let us know what you think. For sure, give us some feedback, let us know what you like, what you didn't like, and we will disregard what you don't like. And, um, <laughs> and do what we want to do still. Exactly, yep. All right, guys, see you later. Thank you.